0: Good morning, and welcome to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on Two Double X. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening online, welcome. Uh, we're going to podcast this one, so if you're listening in the future, uh, yeah, tweet us and tell us how it is. No, you, you can't do that. That's fine. Um, my name's Eleanor, uh, and I'm hosting today and in charge of the panel. But I'm joined in the studio by one Fuzzy Logic regular, uh, our dinosaur expert, Mitchell. G'day. And we've got a a new face in the studio, and in fact, uh, I guess a new face in Australia to some extent. Uh, We've also got Ben here.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh,
0: So uh, we've got a a pretty exciting show planned for you today. Uh, We're going to be talking about kind of, I suspect, escalators, no, uh, traffic signals, (laughs) uh, 3D printing, dinosaurs, stem cells. It's going to be pretty busy, but um, hopefully we'll get through everything. First of all, Ben, welcome to the country. Uh, You're originally from the UK.
1: Yes, uh, thank you very much for having me.
0: And how are you finding it so far?
1: Um, Canberra is a lovely place. It's very warm here, um, the weather is nice. It's weird being here uh, when it should be winter. Um, yeah,
0: it's coming up to Christmas time, and I guess having a, having a summer Christmas is a little novel.
1: Yeah, normally I'd have Christmas jumpers by now. Um, I did go out and buy my first Christmas singlet. Um, <laughs> A Christmas. So, uh, yeah, the festive spirit is still there.
0: Oh, well, that's, that's all that matters. Um, it is it is definitely getting warmer. I think you're missing the worst part of the year um, by a little bit. Um, and, you've, and you've gotten to see the beach, uh, so that's, you know, what really matters. Um, but you're here visiting ANU because you're working on a project, and I'm not going to lie, it's, it's with our lab, uh, <laughs> so we're biochemists. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you do uh, back in Bristol with, with your lab group. Um, and it's it's kind of cool. There's some big ideas that we're going to get through. Uh, but first of all, we're going to do a little bit of this day in science history. So I had a quick look online and not a whole heap happened today in, in <laughs> the past. Uh, the 29th is a really boring day by, <laughs> from what I could tell. But uh, it was uh, the day that the first traffic signal was... Uh, introduced in the U.S. So, you know, your red light, green light. It's kind of weird to think that we ever lived without those things. But in 1910, on the 29th of November, uh, traffic signals came into existence, which, if you're really into, you know, road development, is super cool.
2: <laughs> Civil engineering. Civil engineering nerds yeah. out there. What, what colour was the first light?
0: Uh, it says here that there weren't necessarily lights, rather a sign that rotated to show the words stop, and the word proceed... That
2: sounds, that sounds like a lot more fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like the idea of, of someone sitting in the car. Like, you know when you have a, a backseat driver in the passenger seat and you're sort yeah. of off with the ferries and someone says, Go! It says proceed! <laughs> proceed already! <laughs> someone honking you, proceed! <laughs> the sign's turning! Come on! <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that happened today. So that was in 1910. Uh, Mitchell, you found something to do with uh, kind of a non-fatal but quite exciting accident
2: yeah it's not really it's not really today in science but uh so, sorry yeah today in science history but tomorrow in science history um in 1954 a woman in alabama got hit by a meteorite okay yeah um apparently from i if we have any listeners from alabama i'm probably going to butcher this <laughs> silicauga in alabama that's probably right um Ann hodges who was a 32-year-old woman, was bruised on the arm and, a hi- and the hip by a meteorite that fell through the roof of her house in her living room. Golly gosh. Yeah, that's, that's pretty intense. Um, smashed her wooden radio and struck Aww. her as she lay on the sofa. Aww. It was a four kilogram uh, chunk of a meteorite that exploded over central a- Alabama at about 2pm in the afternoon.
0: So you're just, you're just lying back, listening to the radio, on the couch, and having a, a nice time.
2: And a rock falls through your roof. A space rock. A space rock and smashes your radio.
0: And so is that? I think that's the only recorded case of someone being hit by a meteorite? Or... Uh,
2: yeah, it's the only recorded inst- instance of a person being hit by a meteorite. Nobody's ever been killed by one, apparently. Okay. Um, but there have been recorded instances of geese and dogs being slain by by meteorites are
0: these geese midair?
2: uh i i i haven't read up on this because that but... sounds
0: like it could be an awesome video game premise if you had to oh. throw space rocks at flying geese oh man that
2: would be so much fun what would you call it uh Ge- geese you right no that's <laughs> <not> right. <laughs> that's awful
0: no, no no keep trying we'll definitely oh, no. get this i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you some thinking time uh but but not too much because In- instead
2: of space invaders earth invaders
0: Earth Invaders. You're playing
2: as the aliens that are trying to kill all the geese
0: because the aliens assume the geese are the dominant species. Of course. Well, I mean well, they're pretty big.
2: Yeah, like, "Oh, hmm, these these humans seem to be building a lot of stuff, but they sure are scared of these birds."
0: I am, yeah, I'm scared of geese. Yeah,
2: so the birds must be in charge.
0: So this is important science that we're uncovering. Yes. <laughs> um, but um, sticking with the, with the a, space k- theme... get
2: a Kickstarter going.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I've already set it up. If you just, <laughs> I've just been tapping away here while yep. you've been talking. Yep. Um, Sticking with the space theme, there's another sort of big anniversary tomorrow rather than today um, to do with Galileo, Ben.
1: Yeah, so uh, in 1609 tomorrow, uh, the modern face of the moon was... Uh, drawn by Galileo Galilei Um, so over a period of uh, 18 days um, he drew the face of the moon and it was discovered that it was not some globe of quintessential perfection as it says in my notes (laughs) Uh, it was uh, a new land to be explored charted and named um, and it was just a uh, cratered chunk of elements
0: well there you go I mean we sort of take for granted that the moon is is a cratered chunk of elements now but I guess to to people who hadn't seen it with the optical tools that we now possess, people who were just looking at it in the sky. I mean, when the moon's full, it looks like a quintessential orb of perfection.
2: Great <laughs> <Quite much. laughs> <But in a, laughs> albeit a very spotty one.
0: It is a bit spotty, yeah. but I mean, they didn't know what the spots were. Yeah, that's true. So Galileo did some did some awesome stuff, but it's it's kind of crazy to think that there was a time when someone had to record the moon for the first time. <laughs> um we've definitely come a long way since then we've we've sent people there i don't know if you guys know (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you've heard about that we did actually get some people onto the moon how long ago was that that was i i don't know it was in the 60s oh yeah so that that was you missed it did you yeah i think I might. well you've really got to keep up
2: i do i do
0: ah but we're not here today to talk about the moon landing or to educate mitchell in the fact that it happened no i'm (laughs) I'm joking he he knows he knows about (laughs) space he knows about space and dinosaurs um we've actually got a a very fortuitous link uh into the topic we're going to discuss today which is the miracles of 3d printing because today is the anniversary of the first ever steam-powered printing press so we're talking about 1814 so, you know, a little while ago, quite, quite some time before the moon landings. Uh, and Friedrich Carnegie actually developed the steam-powered rotary printing press, which allowed for mass production of newspapers in specifically, we're talking about The Times, the newspaper in, based in London. That's pretty cool. So with, with the advent of steam-powered printing, uh, basically literacy took off. Because suddenly there was readable material that was cheaply available to the public, and in, in the form of newspapers. Oh, so we're, we're talking about a world before printing, or before the steam-powered printing, where reading was something that was, you know, for the for the upper class. It was for people who could afford very,
2: things to read. Very luxurious.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so, so the printing press really was a massive cultural revolution. <laughs> Mitchell's mind is blown. Uh,
2: History uh-huh. is so cool when you don't think about it every
0: day. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Have you have you read some newspapers in London, Ben? I assume I, that's what I've you do. I've read one or two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and do you do you reflect on on how exciting the the cultural advent of printing is?
1: Not so much. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you probably should. I should. Now yeah. I will. Now I, know. I, I think that's important. It's a Spitfire bird. Uh that was Spitfire by Public Service Broadcasting. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on 2X Canberra Community Radio. Uh my name's Eleanor. I'm in the studio with Mitchell. Hello. And with Ben. Hello. And today we're talking about 3D printing, but not your boring old uh exuding plastic string and making weird. Plastic shapes from plastic. No, we're Still not interested. Cool. Uh, yeah, but it's this cold, right? Like we've we've heard about people printing with plastic. Uh, there's been some stuff recently where people have been printing with glass, which is actually really hypnotic to watch. Uh, if you wanna, if you want a fun YouTube video, uh, have a Google of that, because it looks like honey. Um, but it's oh, hot yeah. glass. No, I have seen that. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah,
2: Go check it out. It's really cool.
0: It's definitely, it's definitely a step up from, from our boring old front-of-the-mill plastic. <laughs> and uh, chocolate.
2: 3D printing with chocolate. 3D printing with well. chocolate.
0: Yeah. 3D printing with sugar, I've read about. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, people have been feeding strange materials into 3D printers and seeing what comes out the <laughs> other side, which is exactly what I would do if yeah. I had access to a 3D printer. I do. My dad has a 3D printer. I feel like I'd get in trouble if I started putting like hummus or something (laughs) (laughs) to the top of it and seeing if I could create strange castles of of dip. Um, uh, You can tell what I... wait for dinner parties. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) It'd be awesome. But uh, Ben, your research group has been putting very strange material into 3D printers. What what have you guys been working on?
1: Uh, So my group, um, quick shout out to James Armstrong, Maddie Burke, uh, my colleagues. Um, we've been working on a project where we've developed an ink uh, that has stem cells in it. Wow. um, Which is pretty cool. Uh, So it allows us to uh, print shapes and then we can differentiate them into um, bone cells, muscle cells, fat cells. That's Um, ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculously uh, good. Yeah. So one of the the main benefits of 3D printing is printing things one-off. So it's not so great for... Printing loads and loads of things, high throughput type stuff, but printing specific things one time is the perfect use for 3D printing. And so, if you think about it, uh, printing body parts because um, body parts are pretty unique yeah. between people. Um, so if we can 3D print someone, say, a new nose, um, then that would be kind of groundbreaking. Yeah, um, definitely. Could you, yeah. could
2: you 3D print a pet?
1: A whole pet. <laughs> a whole um, pet something
2: small like a mouse
1: not not right now Uh, maybe (laughs) well yeah we'd have to to go back to to your lab of course yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah, we'd have to we'd have to fly to bristol um so before we start talking about what we can and can't 3d print (laughs) in terms of different rodents um so what's the actual science here like how i mean i know that there's there's sort of industry secrets and things but you've you've got an ink base um, yeah. I know that your lab does have a stem cells component to it. So, what first of all, what's it? What does a stem cells lab actually look like? Like we we sort of see, you know, TV shows and and movies where people are playing with cells and they create, you know, the zombie apocalypse. But is it is it like a big hazmat suit? You know, get your feet cleaned with strange <laughs> chemicals before you step into it. What what?
1: It's it's not quite that bad. Um, so before we do any work with stem cells, we have to have. Uh, hepatitis B vaccines to make sure that we don't get infected by the stem cells, uh, which come from hip surgeries. Um, People donate their bone marrow to us to to do things with, which is very nice of them. Please do that, people. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the labs are quite uh, normal-looking labs, really. We have to do all the work in hoods, um, and that's to keep the stem cells sterile rather than us safe
0: so you're, you're not wearing a hood you've got like a big <laughs> Sorry,
1: <yeah. laughs> like a, uh, laminar flow hood um, yeah okay so not like a lab coat with a hoodie on it no yeah. no okay. although that does sound kind of cool <laughs> um no we wear these blue lab coats which are separate from the other lab coats just so everything's nice and sterile. it's all about sterility basically we need to make sure that we don't contaminate our stem cells
0: yeah i have i have vague memories of spraying ethanol everywhere coating yeah, everything in yeah, because cells don't enjoy growing in ethanol from from what I've discovered. Yeah. Um <laughs> I think I think a lot of Canberra students will have discovered that <laughs> recently with exams finishing. Oh, oh. um oh, no, sorry. <laughs> um so so you you go into the lab, you have your very very sterile setup um mm-hmm. when you're cultivating stem cells, so you people donate them from their bone marrow uh and then how do you how do you keep them alive that Cells are dynamic, right? You have to feed them, or? Uh, yeah,
1: so we feed them um, something called DMEM, um, okay. which is just a solution containing lots of nutrients and things. Okay. Um, and yeah, so we just feed them twice a week. Um, in so, like sea monkeys? Uh, yeah, I kind of like <laughs> sea monkeys. Uh, yeah, slightly less fun. And you have uh, to
0: keep them warm?
1: Uh, yeah, you have to keep them warm. Um, you have to make sure they've got enough carbon dioxide as well. Okay. 5% is the magic number. Apparently. Wow. Yeah, um, yeah so the pretty hardy. You can get away with uh, something, so forgetting to feed them, that's happened once and twice. <laughs> um, yeah. They're, they're pretty easy to look after.
0: Okay, and so so that's them in, in little petri dishes or in sort of flasks with media. Yeah. How do you keep them alive through the mechanisms of a 3D printer? <laughs> uh,
1: so this was one of the biggest challenges, actually, was to develop an ink that could support the cells. Um, so We've got a two-part gel. Unfortunately, I can't give too much away. No, of course. Uh, keep it vague. Um, we, we
0: don't we don't need the, the tricky ins and outs.
1: But essentially, we've got this this gel, which is uh, fairly runny um, while we put it in the printer. It's mounted in the syringe. Um, and so when we extrude it from the syringe, we warm it up, and that makes it slightly harder. Um, okay. We'll it, uh, it's kind of
0: the opposite of, of your traditional 3D yeah, printer. Yeah, it's kind
1: of weird. Um, really cool material. It makes it... Quite tricky to work with in some ways, okay. <laughs> um, but that sets it harder, um, and then you can permanently set it using a different solution. Wow. Um, okay. And then you bathe it in these same nutrients that we keep them alive in.
0: Okay. Um, so you're you're essentially printing. So say for instance, we wanted to, let's say we want to print a mouse, like like <laughs> was so intent on. Yep. Um. So you would you would print the outline. Of a mouse or, or a component of your <laughs> mouse in in the stem cell ink, yeah. set it, and then you need to induce those cells to start differentiating, which is where stem cells uh, start breaking up into the different types of cells that make up an organism yeah um, and that's what your group's been working on
1: yeah, so the work that we 've done so far we 've only made the cells into one type, so it would get an awful lot more complicated trying to do bone mm-hmm. and muscle and fat cells and everything in one. Type of thing, so we we can print cells, make them into bone, print cells, make them into cartilage. We've done that, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's essentially as you say, you print the outline, and then wash it in these nutrients, and by changing what is in this solution, you can kind of change what the cells are likely to become.
0: Well, that's just incredible, and I think I mean we have to talk a bit about the applications of this. Obviously, the idea of being able to grow. Uh, I mean, one of the problems with implants or with with prosthetics uh, is that human bodies often identify something as foreign and they reject it. Uh, so your immune system kicks up a fuss if you've got, say, a new nose or a new mouse um, <laughs> attached to you. <laughs> um, Hopefully it'd
2: reject a new mouse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is one of the big problems science is facing, the rejection of mice. Um, and, and your body sort of rallies up against it and, and doesn't actually accept that as part of itself. But I guess one of the applications here would be that you could potentially make... A prosthetic or a new a new organ out of someone's existing cells yeah exactly okay and so that would that would minimize
1: that problem yeah definitely
0: that's super cool
2: yeah so where where did you uh, like i was going to ask before but it's obviously clear now that you're not using a conventional plastic 3d printer where do, where do you go to get uh-huh. who, who do you ask when you need a stem cell printing 3d printer
1: um so uh we do actually use a plastic printer um so it was one that we we bought online um and we assembled we assembled it into a plastic printer and then used this same printer to print parts to then convert it into a <laughs> bioprinter, which is kind of cool. That's, 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 really, yeah. awesome. that's, that's kinda really awesome. That's kind of awesome. Did, yeah. you
0: have, did you have any fun printing things out of boring old plastic oh, as well?
1: Oh yeah, there was a lot of uh, calibration <laughs> uh, before we, we printed the bioprinter stuff. But um, yeah, all the designs are available free online. Uh, we only had to design one or two pieces ourselves. Um, so in theory, anyone can do this. That's really That's cool. awesome. So
0: so you, you, you get a 3D printer, you put it together, and then you use it to print the bits that convert it from a 3D printer into a stem cell exactly. printer.
1: Exactly, <sighs> yeah. Um, the only downside is then if any of your parts break, you then have to convert it back into a plastic <laughs> printer. Well, surely sure, you again. just buy another printer, um, right? Yeah, so that's exactly what we did. We bought oh. one printer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, <laughs> oh, see, so yeah, now, now I have big ideas because my, my parents are away and I have a 3D <laughs> yeah. printer.
1: Um, and the setup we've got will actually print chocolate and probably hummus. I've, I've not tried hummus, <laughs> but um, I'm sure it would. <laughs> oh,
0: that's incredible. I guess you'd want to clean it out quite thoroughly first. Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. want um, stem cell contamination in your chocolate <laughs> yeah. centerpiece design. Yeah. yeah I have to I have to say my my dad's gotten to be a bit of a whiz at the 3d printing he's just sticking with plastic for the time being not mm. stem cells uh, but he he makes fantastic uh, sculptures for our birthdays which is really sweet so he made me a a scale model of serenity from Firefly that's pretty cool yeah wow. it was really nice and he's just made my little sister um, this is secret but she won't be listening um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he made her uh, I don't know if anyone's played The Legend of Zelda yeah, uh, no but yeah he made her the claw shot from the legend of zelda oh, that's really it's cool. like life really cool. size that's amazing yeah, yeah i don't think it i don't think it's functional but um top dart points yeah, yeah yeah he definitely he definitely wins although i i might have to sort of push him towards either chocolate or stem cells in the near future mm. just because it'd be cool to print a mouse <laughs> <laughs> delicious uh, all right well we're gonna we're gonna go to another track and then uh we're going to investigate some potential other applications of 3D printing beyond, well, beyond your standard grab a model off the internet and print it out. We we might have a, another source of models. Um, certainly more towards Mitchell's alley. He's wearing a plastic dinosaur pinned to his lapel today. Yeah,
1: it looks great. I'll add.
0: Yeah, it's it's very stylish. I should have
2: brought, should have brought some for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, next time please do. Yeah, Last time you brought biscuits of I fossils. I did. So I'm. I feel like you've let your game drop. <laughs> uh, oh. <well. laughs> All right. Well, this is Ten Tigers by Bonobo. Uh, you're listening to Fuzzy Logic. That was Ten Tigers by Bonobo. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show on Two Double X Canberra Community Radio. My name's Eleanor, and if you've been joining us for the for the rest of the show you'll know i'm here with mitchell hello and ben hello we're talking 3d printing but with non-traditional inputs non-traditional materials so we've discussed uh creating centerpieces of made of dip um although that's (laughs) you know still in the works that's that's one of our other kickstarters um (laughs) that we're going to get going but but we've just been talking to ben about 3d printing with stem cells which is what Uh, his lab group back in the UK have been doing uh, which is just incredible it has all sorts of applications particularly for designing I guess personalized implants for people uh, from their own cellular material uh, reducing the chance of a body rejecting an implant it's just incredible work and it's it's certainly something that uh, is sort of revolutionizing how we see printing uh so from the printing press it's the anniversary of the first steam-powered printing press today uh and from from the fact that we've been able to mass produce newspapers to the fact we can potentially you know mass produce limbs is it's kind of an amazing thing to happen in just 200 years uh but we've got another application and it's something that is quite close to mitchell's heart uh he is wearing a plastic dinosaur on his chest yes (laughs) Um, Mitchell, tell us a bit about how 3D printing can be used in your favorite field, you know, paleontology. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So this is this is something that's really, really cool that's happening. Uh, using 3D printing in paleontology is kind of really incredible because it makes, makes a lot of things a lot more accessible. So one of the really early things in paleontology was providing pictures of the fossils in your papers to go, hey, look, this is this, this fossil and you can see that this has got... This feature and that feature which means that this tooth is from a cat or this tooth is from an extinct hippo from, or a mouse yeah or a mouse <laughs> um, and if you're a paleontologist that's working in Australia going that looks a little bit dodgy reading about this fossil hippo tooth from the UK which there are hey. <laughs> extinct hippos from the UK are they really um, yeah it's ah. really really cool Um then you can go, well, is this, is this something that's wrong with this image? Or I, I'm, I'm in Australia, I don't have access to these fossils and stuff like that. But with 3D printing, you can take like a CT scan or photogrammetry. You, photogrammetry is really cool where you essentially take your rock and you take, you know, a photo of it from every single angle and build a 3D image. And then stick that on the internet and then somebody on the other side of the planet can 3D print one off and have a look at it themselves.
0: So that, I mean, that's, that's kind of game changing. So as you say, if, if a scientist is on the other side of the world is intrigued by, you know, let's for sake of argument, say, uh, the Loch Ness monster, we have found a fossil of <laughs> one of his teeth, um,
2: Good luck. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, in the UK, of course, like a, like a hippo, yep. uh, a scientist in Australia can, like yourself, you can be sceptical about this and, and say, all right, now I want to have a physical look at this and maybe compare it to other samples that we've got here. You can actually print a physical model rather than looking at dodgy, grainy photographs in a journal article.
2: Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Um, and it also makes fossils a lot more accessible to the people that are working with them as well. So a great example is from uh Australia which is our Australian amber. Okay. Uh, cuz dinosaur people love amber.
0: Amber amber's won. where we get all the DNA to make the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. That's exactly right. <laughs> um finding <laughs> which I still haven't seen. Yeah.
2: Finding oh, Jurassic World you mean.
0: I, I haven't seen any you, of you them. You haven't
2: seen any <laughs> of them? Okay. Cool. Okay. We're, we're going to have to we're going to have to do something about that. Okay. Um but, yeah, so our Australian amber is really, really cool. It comes from up in Cape York. It's about 20 million years old, and you get bugs in it. Hmm. Uh, but, unfortunately, about a quarter of the amber is completely opaque. Sure. So usually when you think of amber, you think of that, like, lovely honey-coloured, and you've got all the little bits of stuff that you yeah, can see Yeah, you in see, there. like,
0: an ant suspended in a in a beautiful yellowy gemstone.
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, or if you've you got Hammond's got this cane with a mosquito in it, um, in the massive chunk of amber on the end of his cane, but uh, about a quarter of Australia's amber from up the Cape York is black. Sure, you can't see the bugs in it because it's completely opaque. What How
1: do we... is that? Beg pardon. What causes that?
2: Uh, so it's pretty much just the so the amber is resin. It's not actually sap. Okay, sap's oh. what plants use to move nutrients around and stuff. The resin is what produces amber, and the resin is. Um, pretty much just to protect the tree from insect attack or whatever else. Uh,
0: Hence the number of insects that get drowned in it.
2: Yeah, that's it. Um, also, it's very, very sticky. Yeah, that's uh, But depends on the tree. I don't actually know what makes it different coloured. Okay. That's a little bit embarrassing. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> depends on the tree, depends well, on not, the day. You're not a yeah. sap scientist. I'm not so, a, sorry, I'm not a, a resin scientist. I'm not a, I'm not a resin scientist, no. I think, I think um, it
0: sounds like it might be, you know, if it's, if it's specifically from Cape York where you're getting the, the opaque... Resin, perhaps mm. it is a species thing, depending well, on the type of plants yeah, that are producing they're all, it.
2: They're all from cowrie pines. Okay. The amber's from cowrie pines, a uh, uh, Arik area. Um, but you can't see the bugs in the, black, in the black amber. So what they've been doing is CT scanning it using... Um, CT scanning it, they're taking it to the synchrotron. Ooh, yeah, synchrotron's really really fun. Getting high resolution X-ray images of it and 3D images of it. And so what you can do is you can 3D image these am- these bugs that you can't see in the black amber. Yeah. And then 3D print them, so you can get a good look at them. I mean that's just yeah. amazing. That's pretty cool, right? Um, and these 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 insects and other arthropods that you're getting in these this amber is like a millimeter to a centimeter long. Yeah. So they're so, pretty tiny. Yeah. But with 3D printing, you can blow them up. So you've got this tiny little mite that's like a millimeter long, you know, sitting on your desk at the size of a cat or, you know, however <laughs> however big you want it. So you can yeah. have a proper look at it. Like, yeah, they've got a few. I've seen, you can look it up online. There's a Catalyst. Did an article on it. And in, in the video, he's got a 3D printed beetle. Yeah. That's like... Forty centimetres long. It looks really, really cool.
0: I mean, that's that's an incredible advance in terms of the tools that we have to, to look at.
2: Exactly, and it's completely non-invasive as well. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, you don't have to smash the sap open or anything. That's exactly Sorry, it. resin, resin. The resin. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and yeah, beautiful non-invasive ways of looking at these fossils.
0: Can can they apply the same sort of thing to fossils like of the more traditional sort? So in the ground, can people? Have, has anyone investigated scanning? Um, the Earth and then printing whatever they find inside is that sort of a step beyond where we're at at the moment.
2: Well, synchrotrons aren't usually something that you can take out into the field.
0: No, that's true. Yeah.
2: So most of the time you need to get your fossils. Entered. But they
0: can do like seismological scans of the ground.
2: Yeah, you can do ground penetra- ground penetrating radar. Okay. And doesn't produce a three D three D image as far as I know. Okay. It mostly just telling. Um, Mostly just telling you where the hardest, harder stuff is, the denser stuff is. Fair enough. Um, we could get to that point. That'd be really cool.
0: I mean, it mean you wouldn't have to spend all day digging.
2: Well, the other thing about that is, then they'd be in the ground, getting weathered away and destroyed by oh, the elements. Oh, true. Yeah, I guess we want to bit save problematic. them. Yeah. Mm. Um, we got to look after them. Mm. Uh, but it also means that you can look so. When you're digging stuff up, you don't dig the entire bone out of the ground and take it f- in the field all in one piece away. Uh, so what you usually do is you dig the, dig the fossil up, including all the rock around it, mm. take it back to the lab where you can work on it at your own pace and not out in the sun mm. in nicer conditions with better tools and air conditioning, <laughs> sometimes if you're lucky, uh, and then remove the rock away okay. from the bone there. Uh, but if you CT scan it and 3D print it, you can just leave it in the rock if you want or you can CT scan it and you know exactly where it is in the rock so you don't have to worry too much about damaging it.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Following on from uh, CT scans, um, that same kind of thing could be applied to medicine. Um, so if someone has a brain tumour and you don't really want to go rooting around in the brain not really knowing where it is, mm. um, you could do a CT scan of the brain, find the tumour, print it out, um, practice your surgery skills oh my God. on, really on cool. this brain. And um, yeah, and not have to worry about Potentially killing a patient, which would be very sad. And then
2: you could, if you, and if you do, you can just three D print them a new brain <laughs> <laughs> <I> of <promise>. Yes, <laughs> I know about that.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, and that, that's that's actually really interesting too. I mean, if we talk about starting to combine the the two fields here, this idea that we could, I mean, I know Mitchell out in the foyer before had some big ideas about recreating dinosaur bones in yeah. there.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you, you said you were three D printing with bone. You could 3D print a dinosaur bone based on CT scans of dinosaur... Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, full circle.
0: I mean, is thats is that a... I mean, what, first of all, would that be useful? Would it be useful to have a real bone?
2: Uh, well, it would be a live bone as well, so
1: you'd have to keep it alive. Yeah. And that could get messy. It could. Um, Unfortunately, there aren't many... Dinosaurs that undergo hip surgeries. Um, yeah, that's true. So it, we it do would have... be unlikely to be a dinosaur bone. Um, well,
2: we, we, I'm sure we could get stem cell samples from a chicken. Yeah? Yeah. Um, birds, birds are descended from dinosaurs if you didn't know, listeners. Yet, but, <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: um, I mean,
0: yeah. that's... Yeah, the, the the possibilities there, especially especially what Ben was saying before about being able to take a CT scan of, of a brain or of a of particular growth or tumor in in a human body and then print it out would just allow so much more interactivity in terms of like rather than looking at a computer screen and and adjusting the angles and there's sort of a darker patch there that we're going to look at and plan how to excise that idea of actually having it physically in front of you is just game-changing because a lot of people work and learn a lot better when they've got something visual or something physical that they can touch and manipulate
2: well yeah that's it um teaching tools like Mm -hmm. When you're learning how to do surgery, you mostly work on cadavers. And I don't know anything about this myself, but I imagine you'd be stuck with the kind of ca- cadavers that come into the morgue. Like, you're. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not g- going to go out and <laughs> harvest yeah, them. No. <laughs> yeah, like, if, if you're trying to learn how to be a brain surgeon, you kind of have to wait for somebody to have a tumor. Whereas with this, you're like, oh, I'm going to work on. I'm going to practice brain surgery today. And then you 3D print out a brain with a tumor
1: in it. Yeah. Um,. It probably won't be too lifelike, uh, oh. just, because, just because the materials available. Um, I don't know, developing field. Yeah,
2: maybe. yeah. That I think that would be really cool because that's that's another one of the things that paleontology uh, is great for with with three D printing is f- like teaching models. Yeah. Yeah. Three D like um, there's a website you can go look it up. It's three D uh, hyphen fossils dot a c dot u k. Yeah. It's a database of three D models of fossils that you can. You can, print out, you can and, print
0: out and play with them, yeah, stack them together. Them. Look at them and,
2: like, look at this animal. How cool is this?
0: I mean, that's, that's making, once again, it's just making science so accessible. I mean, it's making yeah. it accessible to people who have 3D printers. But, I mean, once upon a time, it would have been a big deal to have a paper printer. Um, so, as long as this technology keeps being applied and keeps being used, okay. the availability of 3D printing is going to, you know, become as, as readily available as having a computer on your desktop. Yeah. Once Why upon a time. Yeah,
2: um, I know. I've got a printer at home.
0: <laughs> You've got a paper printer. <laughs> I've got a paper printer. Uh, you're so lucky. I know. I, it's not mine. It's my housemate. Oh, uh, see, I don't have a paper printer. That's like a luxury for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you were talking about the the synchrotron and Amber and being able to three D model, uh, you know, an ant and print it out and actually physically manipulate it and look at the structure of it and. Um, compare it to other samples uh, we had a we had a fellow visit and I and I can't remember his name and I feel bad but I'm sure if you google this you'll you'll find him and his research group uh, and they do the same thing but with protein structures so uh, we're looking even smaller now we're looking at um, individual proteins uh, different uh, parts of bigger proteins and what his group was doing is actually 3D printing from their x-ray structures of these proteins so that they could figure out how they actually physically clip together that's crazy because this particular thing they're interested in has you know upwards of 20 different protein subunits that need to work together as one big um, biological machine and so he said that he and his students find it much more tactile much more interesting to instead of look at it on a computer screen and twiddle it around and spin it they actually print out each subunit and then sort of Compare how they might fit together naturally in their hands.
2: That's incredible, like the nerdiest Lego ever. <laughs> it basically is, <laughs> That's yeah. Amazing.
0: But and and while they haven't at this stage um, found anything, you know, conclusive from this, it just it changes the way that you approach the problem. It it changes the way that you're seeing these structures, and it makes them more real because they are real. They're they're physical things. They may be, um, you know, so small that you can't see them with the naked eye normally. But having them in your hands and being able to manipulate them just is a game changer
2: see I'm, I'm i'm picturing this and imagining using it to teach like kindergarteners about biochemistry like <laughs> uh, there's probably a big reach but that, that sounds that sounds like hey, a lot of fun you're
0: never you're never too young to start learning about biochemistry <laughs> i think that's the the take-home message from this yep. uh we're going to go to another track uh you're listening to fuzzy logic we'll be back uh with a little bit more chat about 3d printing so stay tuned That was the beat comes by Snowden. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show on Two Double X Canberra Community Radio. My name's Eleanor. I'm in the studio with Mitchell. Hello. I'm with Ben. Hello. And we've been talking three D printing and how it's going to revolutionise the world in a million ways. Um, specifically, and now we're talking about pancakes being three D printed. Ben.
1: Yeah. Um, so. But pancakes are two D. <laughs> pancakes are two D, but you can create cool patterns with them, um, which is kind of cool kind of pointless um but good fun nonetheless
0: and and as we as we say here at fuzzy all the time it's our catchphrase we want to make pancakes more accessible to the world (laughs) um that that that's our catchphrase here um but but certainly in terms of of the stuff we've been talking about earlier today about 3d printing with stem cells um the the prospects there of of being able to design implants or, or body parts that Um, personalized to a particular person we've been talking about how we can apply 3d printing to paleontological exploits um, so making fossils more accessible to the scientific community so people can compare and contrast um, otherwise very rare samples um, and 3d printing can render them um, perfectly so that you can actually play with them and fit them together and we've been talking about the actual printing press, the invention of the steam-powered printing press, which was a massive cultural revolution. Um, Francis Bacon actually said that the three world-changing inventions, um, and this was sort of in the 17th century, so uh, there's been a couple more since then, <laughs> but he, he said that it's been the compass, gunpowder and printing, um, revolutionising navigation, war and literacy um, which are the three main components of
2: we should should 3d print some compasses
0: (laughs) we could 3d print some compasses but i want to just ask you guys in the last five minutes on fuzzy logic what what do you think is going to be the the biggest um cultural shift that will come of the accessibility of 3d printing
2: Uh, my favorite thing is probably prosthetics Mm. okay yeah so prosthetics are expensive yeah um whereas before you could pay up upwards of tens of thousands of dollars for a good prosthetic Mm. you can get one for like 50 bucks now you 3d print yourself an arm yeah Um, and that means it's a lot more accessible for children as well because you think of how many times you buy kids shoes (laughs) that's a good point yeah Yeah. whereas if a kid doesn't have a foot you're not going to get them expensive prosthetics every 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 six months Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah whereas if if you can 3D print your kid a new foot for 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, do it.
0: I mean, um, that, that that's incredible. And that, once again, is is this idea of making something that was otherwise uh, for the elite, something like books back in back in the time before the printing press, uh, so accessible to people everywhere.
2: Yeah, that's it. Uh, and it makes for really adorable stories. Yes. Um, uh, puppies? Puppies. Um, puppies. There's uh, Google. Google tumbles the puppy. Um born or born without front legs or something like that Aww. anyway poor little puppy has no legs 3d printed them tiny adorable little wheelchairs oh tumbles the puppy <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tumbles is a very good dog name. Yeah, especially, a big...
2: especially, for, for, especially for a dog with a wheelchair. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ben, what do you think? <laughs> Let's go to the expert here. Uh, 3D printing of puppy wheelchairs. What are your opinions on the uh, cultural revolution they're in?
1: Uh, I think it's a great thing. So, as I mentioned earlier, one-off prints are uh, the real advantage to 3D printing. Printing one thing, one time, that's specific. Um, and so prostheses are... A, a great example of that. Mm. So as um Mitchell was saying, uh with kids growing up, um you can print a new like arm, foot, whatever, um in three hours or something and have it ready. Uh you can customize it yourself. You could I don't know have a secret compartment, have give yourself an extra finger, sick, uh, sick whatever flame, you want. Sick flame decals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Built in flamethrower, why not? Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: Built in heelys. <laughs> yes. Oh, those
0: I always wanted those when the I was possibilities younger. Hostilities are endless. <laughs> and I think I think that's the real exciting part. Uh, this is kind of an, an internet joke, but the the use of the word exponential growth has grown exponentially. If you if you if you type it into the Google tool that searches for for how often words have been used in books and articles, exponential growth has experienced <laughs> an exponential growth because it's it's kind of true. We're sitting. Uh, people say all the time we're sitting at the base of of that first curve up the exponential Mm. in terms of in terms of technology and i think 3d printing is a good example of that um as it becomes something that's more and more commonplace and people are so you know clever and ingenious when it comes to finding applications for these what were essentially sort of toys initially Mm. um i know that mitchell has a three doodler which is it's
2: like it's like a 3d printing handheld pen thing yeah instead of instead of plugging it into the computer and you have it print the thing you like you draw it you draw with plastic instead of graphite or ink
0: and i mean that's just that's something that would have been absolutely inconceivable even even 10 years ago or maybe 10 15 years ago yeah. um the idea that you could actually physically draw three-dimensional objects yeah, draw up you can draw up out <laughs> of the page yeah. um and so yeah we are sort of at a at a point in time where there is no real saying where this is going to take us. But if you had to say where we're going to be in 20 years, Mitchell, in like one sentence.
2: 3D print a rocket and go to Mars. <laughs> that's because you've got to go with the most ridiculous thing you can think of. Well,
0: I mean, it, if you take a 3D printer to Mars, then if you need specific tools, um, it, print them. Like that yeah. that, that's, that makes space travel so much that's more it. accessible. You don't yeah. have to bring a crate load of... Of, of wrenches individual wrenches yes yeah. exactly or allen keys there is an IKEA now <laughs> uh, you can print your allen keys yeah. uh, on Mars and build your IKEA furniture there
2: I'm just waiting for 3D printers that th- print 3D printers
0: that, that's a thing yeah is yeah, it yeah. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Awesome. awesome that can, sounds fantastic you
0: can 3D print a 3D printer I read that just recently yeah. excellent and I mean, just talk to Ben who 3D printed the components, the, the components. to pimp out his <laughs> see, 3D printer. See,
2: that's, that's the components though. I was like thinking that there's the core bits that you need that like, because if you're 3D printing plastic, then the plastic will melt in your 3D printer when you're trying to 3D print stuff. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like cra- craziest thing, Ben, go.
1: Um, so I think the biggest thing for the future, aside from prices dropping, is going to be multi-component printers. So nowadays you can get printers with multiple heads so you can print different colors at the same time, which is... It's great to look at, but not really that functional. But imagine if you could print plastic, metal, um, lots of different hummus all at the same time. Um, Then you could start getting finished products straight off the line. Yeah, you 3D print your rocket and go to Mars. Yeah, exactly. The whole (laughs) thing. Why not?
0: Well, I have to say, thank you guys so much for joining me on the show today. It's been weird and wonderful. And, yeah, I just think that it's it's a super exciting time to be a scientist or to be an enthusiast uh, because th- the tools that we're using are changing and that's always the really exciting thing. It's great when people discover new exciting things, but when people discover new ways of discovering things, I mean, that's where the really big advances happen, um, especially combining it with crystallography and stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I'm excited. I'm going to go home and try and 3D print something while, while my family's away. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Um, but, yes, please do download the podcast if you've missed any of the show um, and, and get in contact through our Facebook page. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think is going to happen uh, with the future of 3D printing. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here on the Fuzzy Logic Science Show. We'll be back at the same time next week. So uh, keep sciencing.